0: Hey there. Welcome back to the startup screen printing podcast. My name is Jesse. I had a chance to sit down with a friend of mine who has just recently started a new law firm and he had some advice to give about things you should do as you're starting your new business from a legal perspective. So I'm excited for you to hear what he had to say and take his advice and get some of these things set up for your business. If you haven't already, I think you'll really enjoy this super great guy. And I had a lot of great information to share and a lot of great resources. Here we go into my interview with Daryl Shaper. All right. Well, welcome back to the Startup Screen Printing Podcast. I've got a special guest today. Uh, We're going to talk about some things that you should be thinking about as you establish your business uh, from a legal perspective. And so I've got my friend Daryl Shaper here with us today. Daryl, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your business? Um, And then we'll get into some strategies that uh, small business owners and these startups that, that are watching this should be considering as they get their business established.
1: Awesome. Well, Jesse, first of all, it's a pleasure to see you. And I'm a, I'm a huge fan of yours and I love that you're helping, helping folks with their businesses and screen printing. Um, so I won't bore you guys and we can go into it deeper if you want to, but it's kind of interesting. I went to law school at the University of Texas some 30 years ago. And practiced law at Texas's biggest, biggest law firm for about two years, and was miserable. just hated it. Uh, yeah it was, I, I, I like, yeah, it was not for me. Um, they work you hard, and they don't treat you well. So I left and I got into technology. I joined Compaq Computer in Houston, Texas, where I was from, and spent basically the next 28 years in technology and built a really successful startup over the last few years. And I've gotten fascinated over the years with artificial intelligence, and I found it was super valuable in contract law in particular. So I was like, I I hate lawyers. Lawyers were one of the biggest pains of my building business career. So I want to be a different kind of lawyer, the kind of lawyer I would have wanted to deal with. So I formed the fixed fee law firm uh, dot com, and I activated my law license and I've been having a blast helping people, entrepreneurs and small businesses with the sort of day to day stuff you need to build a business.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. And, and uh, you know, I will speak to Daryl's uh, character. He's a fantastic leader and a, and a great person. We worked together uh, when I worked at Aero Electronics here in Colorado. And uh, it was a great experience. We've kept in touch. So I'm excited to hear his expertise on here. So let's just go ahead and jump into it. Darrell, what are some of the, what are some of the first things that uh, someone starting a business should really consider doing before they do anything else uh, to kind of help establish that legal entity separate from from them personally?
1: Well, so the one of the first things they should do, actually, and I, you and I were talking a little before, but I thought of one thing as I think about it, that's even more important. The first thing they should do is they should get on one of these sites where you can buy the domain name you want for your business. Mm -hmm. And they should search for that domain name and do not screw around. Buy it. If you see one that you like, you need to buy it immediately because I don't know how these sort of scam artists do it. But if they see that something's been searched on and this has happened to me, they'll go buy it out from under you. So the first time you search for it, you need to buy it, okay? If you think it's pretty good and you may end up buying too many, but they're usually 12 to 20 bucks a year, buy them, okay? And so then now you know you've got a name, right? And a dot com that you want to exist under. The next thing you, but you got to secure that name first, right? Uh, Because if you can't get the name, if you decide, I'm going to name it jessiesgreenprinting.com, and that's already taken, like, uh, you know, you're going to have to go buy that from the guy for a lot of money or whatever. Yeah. So that's number one. Then now you have a name, you can form your company, your entity around that. You to spend a lot of time thinking about entities. You should totally do a limited liability corporation an LLC it's called. They are pretty simple to set up. You don't need a lawyer for that part. You can go to Zoom or Inc. file or any of those and get that set up. Most people do it in the state where they're located, but you do not have to be in the state that you're located. You can get a registered agent and you can get a mailing service that will accept mail on your behalf in different states. So Wyoming is pretty popular because they don't have, you can be very anonymous as to who owns it. Um, so anyway, that's the next yeah. thing I do.
0: Well, what, what would be some of the benefits for not doing it in the state that they're in? Like we're yeah. in Colorado, what, for what reason or what, is there certain types of companies where that's going to benefit more?
1: Um, it's not hugely important, but what you should look at is the various taxes and fees that each state has. So many states have what's called franchise taxes or uh, stuff like that and those taxes can be non-trivial you know it could be 500 bucks a year to keep your franchise tax and to stay in good standing with your state whereas those taxes are tend to be lower in Wyoming um if you're a bigger company and you're going to try to raise private equity or venture capital or something like that almost all those entities are going to make you form a Delaware S corporation, but you can always switch over to a Delaware S later. Um, But at the beginning, either use your state or Wyoming would be my basic recommendation. Do it yourself and just look at what the fees are in your state. But it's just, it's a money-saving topic, basically.
0: Yeah. And I, I had talked to a, a, a business tax advisor at one point and he, his recommendation was that an LLC is plenty until you're at about 60 or plus thousand dollars in revenue a year before it's worth looking into something like an S-Corp or, or anything beyond an LLC. Would you agree with that or, or is there perhaps a different situation where an S-Corp might make sense?
1: We have, I have another company that's in the Tens of millions of dollars and we're still an LLC.
0: So, okay.
1: Okay. So there's, I don't agree. So let's back up and explain a little bit between the LLC and an S corporation, just so people understand that. Or a C corporation, really a C corporation. So a C corporation is when you say dot comma inc, that's typically a C corporation. Those are big companies. If you form one of those, which you can as a little bitty entity, you're gonna have what's called double taxation. So the corporation is gonna have to pay taxes on its profits and income. And then if you transfer those profits down to you as the owner, you then have to pay taxes again on the profits. If you form either an S corp, which I again don't recommend, kind of complicated, or even better, an LLC, it's invisible to the tax man. The profits of the LLC just pass through to you as if they're ordinary income to you and you only pay one level of taxes. So an LLC has a massive tax advantage and it Mm -hmm. used to be more debate about which you wanted to form, but now pretty much everybody goes LLC in the early days. Yeah. Super complicated, don't know how... It's only when you're going to sell or raise money that you want to become a C corp.
0: Got gotcha. you. Yeah. And the real benefit, aside from the tax portion of the LLC, is that protection from your personal assets perspective, right? That separation yes. of you and the entity.
1: Yeah. Thanks. Great question. And uh, that's exactly right. So it's called piercing the veil. So. Mm-hmm. Your entity, your LLC is the entity that signs contracts, that has legal obligations. And so unless the bank or somebody else, when you get a loan, makes you personally guarantee it, the entity is the one on the hook for whatever obligations. And so, you know, let's say worst case scenario, some project goes horribly bad. They sue you. Um. They're, they only have a contract with your company, and if the company can't afford it, it just goes bankrupt or whatever. It's not going to affect your personal assets, your house, stuff like that. Right. Yeah, that they're likely, sense. just to be super clear, they're going to sue you personally too, most likely. But you'll be able to get a summary judgment that pulls you out of that lawsuit as an individual, unless I you see. did something grossly negligent or willfully you probably get out of it pretty quickly. I'm not a litigator, so don't take sure. my advice on that one. But
0: Gotcha. All right, great. So we've got the company established legally now. What's what's next in the process?
1: You know, as a part of that, and again, these services, I highly recommend them all. Zen Business, Inc. File, LegalZoom, they're all pretty much the same. They'll also get you an employee identification number, which you need. And you generally have to have an employee identification number to do the next step, which is open a bank account in the name of the entity. You want to keep separation between your personal assets and the company assets. So you want to create a bank account that protects you from being pierced, the veil being pierced and having personal liability. So I strongly recommend you get that EIN and get a bank account. So that's step two or wherever we are in the process, maybe yeah. three.
0: Got yeah. you. What about once we have this established and, and I know this is kind of later on for small businesses, but one of the things that I, I've found that to be important is that establishing very early on how you're going to pay yourself. Um, mm-hmm. How important is that when, when you're just getting started and you're establishing the business?
1: You know, I think it is pretty important. Again, having built my own businesses, um, a lot of times at the beginning you don't pay yourself right. Mm -hmm. To some extent, that's okay if you do a decent job of accounting. And you, let's say, lose money the first year. You don't make any money, but you buy some equipment, stuff like that. If you're, you need a good accountant, right? So Mm -hmm. you need a good accountant, and maybe you need a lawyer. Hopefully, I can help you avoid as much legal costs as possible. But you get that good accountant. And again, an LLC is this major advantage for you because let's say you lose $5,000 your first year. Net-net income is a little bit less than what you spent. That $5,000 comes off your personal taxes as a loss, Mm -hmm. right? So that's fantastic. It just passes through as a loss and you get to deduct that from any other income you may have. Um, the, and then when you pay yourself that, if it's a salary, it kind of, when it's an LLC, it total it's, it's not as clear because right. If the business is already losing money and you pay yourself, the part you paid yourself as income on your taxes on one side, and then the loss, because you lost more money as loss on the other side, they kind of offset each other. So to some extent, if you're the sole owner, you may just want to make distributions under your operating agreement. So that's pretty important too. If you do have other players involved or partners, the document that is called the operating agreement of your LLC will be important. And there will be ones that you can get right off of these legal services. But if it's complicated and you've got partners or friends and family making an investment in the business, you probably should get a lawyer involved to customize that operating agreement just a little bit. Really? Yeah. You, know, I, you don't have to, but it's wiser yeah. if, if there's, you know, if, if somebody puts in some money, you want to be protecting them and you?
0: Yeah. Especially with family, because that, that can be a money can be hard with family and friends. Yeah,
1: exactly. And, you know, you want to make sure you gave them fair value for what they've invested, et cetera.
0: Yeah. So what if it, what if it is just that solo, if if we're just individual solo owner, is an operating agreement still something that should be established? It's
1: there. You'll have it, but then it's super unimportant right now. And again, that's the ideal setup is if you yeah. can have it just be you and your spouse that own the thing and nobody's kicking in money other than you, the cleanest, easiest way is a sole proprietor LLC, then you control everything and nobody much is really going to go back and look at the operating agreement. But let's say you do need to go raise money at some point down the road. Now you, you pull in a, a lawyer and help think about what the provisions of the operating agreement say. Um, Mm -hmm. or if right from the beginning you get an investment, now it's a little smarter to talk to a lawyer.
0: Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yep. Great. So what else is there? Is there anything else now that we've got?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think those are pretty good. Get a good accountant, right? Right from the beginning, a good bookkeeper accountant is pretty good. I'm Mm -hmm. curious. Like, what do you do? Do you, do you do your QuickBooks yourself or what do you do?
0: Yeah, I've done it all myself. I'm getting to a point where we're we're talking about not doing that anymore. just because of the the work that's involved to do it. Uh you know, and and you have to be willing to to have done the research to to find all of the things, but I'm certain that there are opportunities that I'm missing out on for tax savings um just because of my lack of understanding completely of the tax code and and business tax and stuff. So, um as my business grows, we're we're probably considering getting that next year. Um, but up until now, I've done it all myself. Yeah. To my own if detriment, you use, probably.
1: Do just a QuickBooks?
0: Uh, something like it. Uh, okay. I use a bookkeeping platform. It's not QuickBooks, but I use something like it. And then I, I've filed my taxes online. Yep. So that's
1: good. Um, I like QuickBooks a lot. You can scale a business quite to quite a large level on QuickBooks too. Hmm. And I'm sure there are other ones. That's just the one I know the best. Um, yeah. and you know, you and I should talk about it, but I think a good, uh, bookkeeping firm that flow costs, we should try to figure out one of those that you can recommend to your folks. Um, yeah, that would be great. One the top of my head, but, um, so really kind of the next sort of level of things that you're going to want to think about are basically there are two contracts, and I don't know the screen printing business as well as you do, but. Two things that I think you're going to have, and one will come pretty much straight away, hopefully, which is you're going to get a project, a contract where you need to deliver X, Y, Z shirts or whatever it is to a customer. Mm -hmm. You need a contract for that, ideally, right? That says something. Um, It's nice if you do deals on a handshake, but it's probably not wise, right? So a simple, basic contract that you can use again and again and again, it's worth probably spending a little bit of time figuring that out. And again, with my AI tools, my firm is called the fixed fee law firm, right? I, I can do something like that for a few hundred bucks and just create a standard contract for whatever you're doing. You would change, you know, sort of the description of exactly what's going to be delivered and the price, but everything else can kind of be the same each time. And so you can repeatedly use that contract with each and every customer. And that would protect you. And it would sort of say, what is your warranty on these things? And, you know, I give a one-year warranty that the printing looks good for one year. Whatever you get, again, Mm -hmm. be worth thinking through together. You and I should do one for you, and then we'll learn a lot together. Um, but so that's contract number one. And then the second contract that you might get into straight away, and I did dozens and dozens of these building our company, uh, that's a, that's a data science company is a contractor agreement. So when you first get people to come work for you to do work, you're not going to want to hire them as a W2 employee with all the benefits associated with all of that. You're going to want to hire them as contractors on an hourly basis so that you keep your costs variable. And so the agreement that you need to create to do that is a little bit important too. But once you've got a form of contractor agreement, you can have multiple people sign up for that and it protects you from owing benefits for them, owing unemployment insurance, all the kinds of costs of somebody who's a an official employee they get benefits they get all kinds of protections and if somebody's only working for you part-time and sort of infrequently they likely can be a contractor at the beginning Mm -hmm. and so that's that's a big savings and a big protection for you so again I'd want you to probably get a lawyer to help you build a basic contractor agreement
0: so I'm, I'm curious, the, the first contract when you're dealing with customers in a project, I mean, I'll be honest, that feels like overkill for, you know, the few hundred bucks of an order, but I think you would probably wildly disagree with that, right? I mean,
1: so, uh, I don't radically disagree. Like if literally it's 200 bucks for yeah. 20 shirts, right? And it's your very first one and it's your buddy. Mm-hmm. Who cares? Right. I don't care. But if you've actually got now a couple contracts every, every week and you're, you're starting to, you're, and you're dealing with people who aren't just your friends, Mm -hmm. it starts to be a heck, heck of a lot smarter to have something in writing. Like, I don't know. How do you do it? Do you make people pay up front?
0: I do. Yep. So right now the process, they will come to me and say, all right, here's the, you know, we'll talk about pricing and and they'll say, all right, I need this many smalls, this many mediums. I'll send the quantities and I will plug that all into an invoice and send them an invoice and they will pay that invoice online and then I will get started. Um, so I'm, I've never thought about having them take another step to actually sign something, even if it's digitally, but Um, you know, I mean, we're talking several thousand dollars with some of these orders and these are going to businesses that are going to resell the apparel. So it's their, it's their business, it's their livelihood and their, their revenue that, you know, if I screw up, then obviously they're going to have an issue with that. I've heard of screen print companies getting sued because of things not going well and it costing their customer a lot of money. Um, but yeah, now I'm concerned is the invoice enough is just the, just some terms bottom. It's it's not not enough.
1: It's really not enough. Um, and are some of these guys repeat customers who buy from you again and again?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So for again,
1: uh, I really think like it's going to cost you. For me, I could do something like that for 500 bucks, but I'm way cheaper than the average lawyer. So sure. we could together create something like that, I would generally say it's going to be 500 bucks. Then we just add it to the bottom of your invoice, basically, probably. And say, these are the terms and conditions under which we, we do this. This is going to last for a year for every order you make and do an electronic signature by them on. Them. Additionally, as you get bigger, people aren't going to want to pay a hundred percent upfront, mm-hmm. right? Some of them are going to be like, I'll give you half the money now. And the other half upon delivery, or maybe some do that today already. Yeah. You don't have a written contract. All you've got is the invoice. It's not ideal. It's yeah. not ideal. Your ability to collect that second half of the money is, is not great. Um, and then if there is a problem, you know, there's not much to refer back to if they claim you didn't do what you were supposed to do.
0: Yeah. What's the difference? In having something on the invoice that simply just says, by paying this invoice, you agree versus actually having them, you know, sign a a document that is knowingly like, hey, this is a contract. It's not just an implied agreement.
1: Yeah, I think in general, we could figure out a way to make it so that the invoice is a legal contract. It just would have pretty decent terms and conditions on the invoice so they you're exactly right by them paying they've agreed to those terms and conditions so i think i would be comfortable if you had if you and i like worked on your terms and conditions that are on your invoice i'd be comfortable that that would work if on the other hand somebody came to you and said, "I want a six month contract, and every month I'm going to send you an order for this many, da 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 da, and I'm going to pay, I'm going to pay that thirty after you deliver," I'd rather have a real contract now.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Absolutely. So. um, in my business so far, I've gone on to, uh, I forget what the uh, term, I think it was Termly or something. And, and I, you know, paid 50 bucks several years ago and, and plugged in my information and downloaded a privacy policy in terms of use and things for my website, cookie policy, things like that. Um, is there, can those only go so far? Is there no, more added benefit accurate. to getting it individual or are those good enough?
1: they're good enough and uh unfortunately you like just stole one of the things I actually do for clients is clients yeah. will call me and I just I set them up on Termly so Please. I have a I have a volume purchase price on Termly but yep. it it is important like so again here's one where I think Termly fixed price normal price is 180 bucks a year um What I do for my clients is I walk through Termly with them. I don't hide from them at all that I'm using Termly to build Mm -hmm. all this stuff. But we do it together and it's a little bit complicated, right? Mm -hmm. Um, There's another one. I don't know if you've heard of the one out of Italy called Ayubenda. Are you familiar Mm -hmm. with that one that builds terms and conditions? It's really funny because that one's super complicated. And I've used it before for other websites, and I tried to get a volume deal with them and work with them, and they were just really hard to work with um but they're kind of the biggest in the world uh they're just way bigger in Europe, and you know a lot of uh, a lot of the privacy regulations come out of europe that's that's historically sure. where they've come from, so they're sort of ahead in terms of understanding what's required in europe and the rest of the world but their system is nowhere near as easy to use as Termly's, and so you could not um as easily do it yourself um you'd maybe want somebody to walk you through it who's done it before but anyway termly i think you could do it yourself you might run into a few questions along the way that you'd want to ask a lawyer it's a little bit confusing mm-hmm. but you should do that every year, by the way, as well. You should go in and there. See, not-
0: I haven't. I did, it, I did it several years ago, and I just plugged in my information. And, in fact, I took that and just repeated it for the other my other LLC and just did a swap of the name. But and have all the same
1: like doctors and traditions and stuff like that. Typically, those are hosted on Termly, and you have to renew every year. You don't do that. You just took, you copied and pasted it and put it on your website hmm probably okay um yeah. it's not what I'd recommend uh yeah. you know if you're getting decent volume or you get a little bit bigger business 180 bucks a year doesn't kill you then yeah. it's worth 180 bucks a year to basically have it really be up to date because the way they do that when they do it right is they they host the terms and conditions on their site And so if there's some law that changes or something like that, they update Mm -hmm. right into the terms and conditions for you so that you're protected.
0: Yeah, yeah. And do you know about these
1: these trolls? There's people, there's other lawyers that are trolls that literally send, It's probably not your client, but they literally send an email that says things like, hey, you don't have a cookie policy on your website. We're going to sue you. and and so you quickly have to figure out like, what are you going to do or wow. into their accessibility laws? So they'll look at your website and it doesn't meet the accessibility requirements of the ADA, American Disabilities Act, and they'll see you. And now I hate these scumbags and I, but these are the kinds of things I'm trying to protect people from by having good terms and conditions, et cetera.
0: Yeah. And, and Adam, like you said, 180 bucks a year. It, any size business could do that. And it's, it's worth the savings that, you know, could potentially come upon you if somebody does put you in a situation where you're, you're being sued for that reason.
1: Yeah, I actually talked to AccessiBe the other day um, because I know about these trolls. And the reality is it's super quick and easy to fix that problem. If you were to get one of these kind of notices, you just go quickly and get AccessiBe on your site or get um, termly on your site, but to some extent they might want to talk to a lawyer if they don't have the benefit of listening to your awesome podcast or, uh, (laughs) then they don't know that, yeah, you're okay. Once you put that in, the, the troll's going to run away down the road to the next guy who doesn't fix it. Yeah.
0: So if people who are listening to this and and are starting, you know, these small businesses from home and, you know, obviously we're going to start out with our customers, or our family, and our friends, and, and people we know, and then we kind of branch out from there. We can start with something like Termly, and uh, you know, I, I do have a link for Termly that I'll put in the description. Um, that is an affiliate link, so if you want to use it, great. Um, and so, if they start off with something like Termly, is there a point in their growth as a business that they should um, plan to work with someone like yourself or a, a, a get a legal um, firm that can help them? Become a little more robust in their protections that they're using, or is it just when when they when they're ready for that?
1: Yeah, I don't know exactly. Exactly, it's a great question, right? I think again, not knowing the screen printing industry near as well as you do, it's hard for me to know sort of when to tell you to to get after it. But if you've got a profitable company that's making money, that's generating some profits for you and you intend to grow it to the next level, right? Mm. Yeah. Now may be the time to talk to a lawyer, right? And, and, and actually get your stuff buttoned down in terms of being more, more careful and thoughtful. You should have that LLC right from the beginning because you do not want to expose your personal assets to something that goes wrong. So, get that right away, but you can do that without a lawyer. Um, then you've now got a profitable business, you want to take it to the next level, or you're gonna commit your full time efforts to it. I think it's worth talking to somebody and making sure that that you've done some basic things to protect yourself. Um, one other data point that I'll tell you is sort of typically company hire a lawyer in-house at somewhere between 100 and 500 employees so it's pretty big before you actually need a lawyer in-house and part of what i'm trying to do using ai and using the legal technology that i use is move that way up i think that's even too early i think you Mm -hmm. should be a thousand plus employees before you need to have a lawyer who actually works for your company full time. So the more you can stay away from the lawyer, it's a little bit like the doctor. Once you go see a lawyer, most of them are just going to kind of bleed you dry with stuff that that they're trying. So stay away from lawyers as much as you can. Don't go to the doctor, because unfortunately, as you know, I've had a lot of health issues. And yeah. uh, it just feels like, I go back to the doctor more and more i'm I'm now in their clutches, and they they make a lot of money off me um, so i unfortunately, I can't say a ton of nice things about most of the lawyers I've had experience with.
0: <laughs> I think that's the general consensus for most of the public.
1: <laughs> How's that man How' that yeah. uh, but yeah. they really, they yeah i well,
0: published. they live up to
1: it. Yeah, yeah. They do, unfortunately, the I, think of the time. I think it's true.
0: Well, that's good. I can certainly see the value in, you know, I can imagine a situation where I could go one of two paths. I could get these things buttoned up and nailed down early and then be ready for the growth because it's already there. Or I could get deep into growth and have to, uh, you know, run scattered to try and get my ducks in a row because I've gotten to a point where it's necessary or, you know, it's just always better to have that foundation kind of set up front while you have the time and, and resources to focus on it. And, and you can kind of build and prepare for that growth.
1: Or, you know, I'm really talking about sort of two basic contracts that I want people to get in, lo- in line, right? Yeah. I want them to form their LLC. I want them to get an employee identification number. I want them to get a bank account. That's to keep you from, that's to protect your personal assets. Now you're going along. I want you to eventually get a contract for with your customers or at least good terms and conditions on your invoice. And then B I want you to get a contractor agreement if you're starting to have people work for you and do stuff, you know, to protect you there. Those are the two things I sort of think you should do. My logic would be number one, when you get a good sized order. So now you've gotten in a good sized order and it looks like it's going to be a repeat order. Now I'll call up somebody, me, hopefully I'd be pleased to help people and let's get a contract in place, right? Um, That makes sense. Now you've got this nice order. They're going to, they say they're going to order repeatedly. Let's get, let's get something tight, tightened up. Or B, I actually need to start hiring somebody other than my kid or my neighbor or whatever to come in and and do this for cash under the table, right? Um, Now, now let's think about a contractor agreement because I'm going to have somebody coming in and doing work, you know, 10, 20 hours a week because I can't keep up personally. Again, imagine that person gets hurt, whatever. You want to have various protections in the document that that help protect you.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Excellent. Well, thank you, Daryl. Uh, That's great information, and and these are easy things for people to accomplish early on. And and like I said, I'm embarrassed to say I haven't had the contract portion, but we're gonna work on that.
1: All right, um, good. I'll
0: get established. I can talk about
1: I know a guy.
0: Yeah. I know a guy. <laughs> Excellent.
1: So yeah. now, uh, w-
0: why why don't time. we wrap up when you tell people more about uh, the fixed fee law firm and and if it's this is services that you can provide to the audience? I'd love for you to kind of give a little bit of an input on that.
1: Sure, sure. So. Um, it is. It's simply www.FixedFeeLawFirm, law firm all one word dot com. And my email is D, the letter D at fixedfeelawfirm.com. Feel free to reach out. Um my passion is helping entrepreneurs and small businesses. And I do this because I love doing it. And uh I guess actually, you know, I'm gonna read you. I got the nicest. Can I do this? I got the nicest feedback yesterday from a customer, and if anybody's made it this far in the in the thing, um, then they they have to listen to this nice review. But I helped a lady with a residential lease over the last couple of days, and she was kind enough to um, to write me a review, and ah. Anyway, I, I can't find it super quickly. But basically, she said, the guy went over and ab- above. He was so kind. And, and it just it means a lot to me to help people build their businesses. And she's trying to build a little franchise, selling peach cobbler in Alabama. And I'm happy to be there for people like that.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. Well, I will, I will provide my own quick review. I mentioned early on that Daryl, is that we had, we've had a great relationship. Working together, and um, I've told Daryl this before, but he said something to me when I was simply a marketer, a a designer on their marketing team, and Daryl was sitting in as the VP of marketing uh, with an open door, and I sat there and asked him how he got in the position he was in, and he said, "You know what? I think it all comes down to how you treat people. If you work hard and you're kind, that you will you will go far." And so um, that's the experience I've had with Daryl. So, Daryl, thank you for joining. Being willing to, uh, you know, step in. I don't have a huge audience, but your willingness to share your knowledge um, and expertise with it is beyond appreciated. And I've uh, enjoyed the opportunity to catch up.
1: Well, I stand by it. Be kind. It's a good. I good it. policy. All right. Great to talk to you, Jesse.
0: Yeah. Thanks. You too, Daryl. Have a good one. Bye. All right. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Daryl. Uh, as you can see, very knowledgeable, incredible guy. Uh, Really enjoyed the opportunity to catch up with him and get his expertise and advice for those of us uh, starting our businesses. Um, So hope you're taking notes and that you're planning to do those things. If you haven't already filed in your LLC, um, you know, getting things set up officially so that you can do business, get your domain name, things like that, that Daryl talked about. Sounds like I have some homework as well. Daryl and I are going to connect to work on that contract. And, uh, so excited to get that in place and test it out and then share it with you all so that you can use it in your business as well. But let me know down in the comments, uh, if you're watching this on YouTube or in the, uh, reviews, if you're, if you're just listening to this, um, or just reach out to me and let me know what you thought about this interview, or if you have any further questions you'd like me to ask Daryl, uh, but be sure you connect with him and follow him and, um, reach out to his business. Uh, If you have support on, from the legal side that you would like some advice. Um, and uh, some assistance with from his team. So uh, I think you'll enjoy working with him as I have. So again, hope you enjoyed that interview. Excited to bring you more of these interviews from other professionals in other industries that can help us build incredible businesses here in the screen print industry. So uh, look forward to the next episode. We're going to talk to somebody about digital marketing. I'm excited to bring that to you. So uh, be sure you are subscribed if you're not already so you don't miss that episode. Thanks again to Daryl and thank you for listening and watching.